enough experience in, in our town and there's enough people around here to, to do a proper job on this now going forward. So let me introduce everybody first of all. Uh, I'm joined first of all by my two council colleagues, uh, Councillor Keith Connolly and Councillor Breach McCusker. Uh, and then from Ballymun for Business, we have Robert Murphy, who's known really well to everybody in, in, in Ballymun. Um, we've former Lord Mayor of Dublin, former Dublin City Councillor and the Chair of the Social Regeneration Committee, uh, Andrew Montague. Uh, Declan Dunn, who many of you uh, will know from his days in the Ballymoon Partnership and now uh, CEO of Respond. We have Hugh Brennan, who uh, I suppose uh, broke ground in more ways than one on the idea of uh, affordable housing in Ballymoon and co-op housing. Um, and finally, we've Stephen Hayden from uh, the City Farm. Uh, project and Stephen's going to talk to us a little bit about about that project, but really as a uh, as a symbol of some of the other uh, new community facilities which we might see uh, and how challenging it is to actually deliver that. So you're you're very welcome, everybody. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Uh, I won't leave any of you on mute, so feel free to jump in uh, at, at any stage. Breach, um, I suppose uh, as we started to work together. In Ballymun, I suppose we you learned a lot about the process of the master plan and the, and the LAP. Do you want to just recap a little bit on, on that? Yeah, so I suppose everybody will have been familiar with the Ballymun regeneration process and the master plan that was drawn up and sort of executed from 1997 onwards. And that obviously was brought in to address the many social and economic issues which were prevalent at the time in Ballymun and it set about trying to do this through um, a transformation of the physical environment um, and that involved new civic and community community facilities with the hope of economic and social development. Um, so that brought us up to 2014 when the rehousing was completed, but um, I suppose there was a, th a thought that the necessary economic development maybe maybe hadn't followed. Um, however, having said that, uh, Ballymun, it did bring a new civic centre, a primary care centre, the Access Art Centre, which is top class really compared to the rest of the city, um, and a, a new sport and leisure complex. Um, but as I said, when Rege Regeneration sort of finished uh, with the rehousing, there was a large amount of public land remaining, um, and the local area plan was then drawn up in 2014 um, and passed by the City Council in 2017 uh, with, with the aim of rezoning this land to make uh, future development easier and Bring regeneration to the next stage, um, particularly with the hope, I suppose, of of bringing the, the economic development on another another level. Uh, and when you consider, I suppose, all the assets that Ballymun has between the the cultural venues such as the Axis, um, it is great proximity to DCU. Uh, the Metro Link is due to be constructed in the next hopefully five to ten to fifteen years, um, and that that'll offer very rapid access to the city centre for hopefully a very growing and diverse population. Uh, so, I suppose there's a sense there that there's a real opportunity for the new government to to bring the LAP onwards. It, it it hasn't really been the promise of it hasn't really been um, fulfilled, and there's an opportunity there to bring in new and varied housing options, um, as well as more facility community facilities that can drive on economic development and complete the promise of, of regeneration. Uh, I think that's a good synopsis, Robert. I know um, when the idea of the Ballymoney generate of the local area plan first started to be discussed. Uh, you were one of the people I think that was most excited about it. And I remember you using the phrase, it's really crucial that Ballymun doesn't miss this uh, opportunity. Uh, I suppose we're now four years down the line. We probably haven't had the progress. Talk to us about that hope that you had uh, in the early stages, Robert. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I, 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 would, I would have had great hope with, with, with the drawing up of, of the LAP was a little bit weak on the economic side of things, but I did feel it was a good plan for Ballymun going forward. There was a lot of stumbling blocks along the way, you know, because of, of the different sites and, and the different proposals for the site. So, so that momentum that we needed never really gained and, and never really got going. So. I would have liked to see more pace with, with, with the implementation of, of, of the LAP. Very, very complex, not, notwithstanding the complexities of, of the LAP. But I think we've had a reset button there re recently with the, with the last 12 months. And 
I, I also think going forward, we've a, we've a fantastic opportunity uh, to develop the sites. The way that the, the, the city, the community, and, 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 you know, that is looking for going forward, you know, civic spaces are going to be very, very important. But also what we do with High Street and, and, and with neighbourhood centres is going to be really, really important how we make decisions on those over the next couple of years. So, yes, I, I, I would have a lot of optimism going forward, but I think pace is what we're really looking for. And, and I, think, I think that pace as well, we owe it to the community to, to run with pace on, on, on this and make decisions, make the right decisions first time and let's implement this LAP. Robert, uh, I suppose there's a lot of people, you have a, a supermarket, a, 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 a convenience store in Ballymun. There's a lot of people saying, why would Robert Murphy want more shops uh, to compete with him coming in? Like, uh, there's obviously not just yourself, there's the whole Ballymun for business community. Why is that idea of more trading uh, in, the, in, in, in the area important to the business community, but also important to the local community? Yeah. So, so I, I'm, I'm, I kind of consider myself quite greedy when it comes to Ballymun. It's all about Ballymun. It's not about Finglas. It's not about Whitehall. It's not about anywhere else, right? <laughs> so let, let's make that clear from the start. So really what we're looking for here is, is Ballymun as a community, as an, e as an economy that it works together, that people that live locally, shop locally, spend their time locally, and really have that pride of place that place-making side of things. So again, back to the civic spaces, uh, the offer that Ballymun has on a daily basis, what the offer that we give to our customers on a daily basis, the office space, the community space, the startup space, rediscovery, plenty of, of access, as you mentioned earlier on, Bridge. So, you know, it's that kind of, you know, it's, it's not greed or anything like that, but it's that kind of sense of pride about Ballymun and just keeping that together. And Robert, um, just, yeah, of course, Stephen, jump in there. Sorry, just, just to come in on, on what Robert's saying. And I, I appreciate, you know, what Robert actually contributes to the community. And I think an awful lot of people do appreciate what Robert contributes to the community. Um, and it's it's kind of refreshing that Robert is looking for more competition to come in uh, because it'll be the interest of us all. But the, my, worry about, my worry about rushing the LAP, Ballymun has suffered time out of number as a result of decisions that were made for the sake of expediency or in response to emergencies. And we're currently in an emergency in terms of a housing emergency now. And the mistakes that were made in the late 60s um, and the mistakes that were made in 1985 uh, that, that emptied the community out of large numbers of people who were in employment, the one worry about it is that if we're going to do it, we need to do it right. And we need to not make the mistakes that we made in the past because we'll condemn future generations of young kids growing up in Ballymun to what they've, what the rest of us have had to experience over many years. And it's important that those mistakes aren't made. But in terms of turning Ballymun into a destination, the, the wider selection of shops and attractions we have in Ballymun, given where we are just off the M50 on the proposed Metro North Line with multiple bus routes connecting us all across the city and all the other facilities and attractions we have being close to the airport and so on. It's important that the, if we can get a, a, a wide selection of shops and attractions to bring people in, that Ballymun can become a destination. Because the retail study that was conducted, if I recall correctly in its words and spread it, something like 70 or 80% of people who naturally be in the shopping catchment area of Ballymun have never shopped in Ballymun, even when there was a shopping centre here. So we need to turn Ballymun into a place that attracts people in and attracts footfall and attracts spend. And then we all benefit from that. And it's important that, that we do that and that we take advantage of it and we recognise the strengths that exist. Well, can I come in there for, for a second? Of course you, yeah. Just, just, just to follow up on what Stephen said and, and what Robert said, I'm delighted to see um, both of them here. Um, like that retail study was quite negative. And the, the perception is, I think, amongst the executive in Dublin City Council that um, Ballymun isn't ready for the shopping centre yet because they, they feel that the spend um, uh, won't be there. And so we did a little bit of study on this and, um, and this, is, this relates to affordable housing now and making housing affordable. And when housing is affordable, when people aren't put to the pin of their collar to pay for their rent or for the pay for their mortgage, it allows 
people that extra disposable income to spend in their local area. And we did a bit of study in this and we found that when people have that extra disposable income, around 40% of it goes on savings or on a new car or on a foreign holiday when those things were allowed and, and um, have no impact in the local community. But the other 60% will be spent in the local community if it can be spent in the local community. And that's one of the problems with Ballymun, that the, the heart of Ballymun isn't there. Uh, the, um, uh, the shopping centre. And the study that we did was showed that if all of the sites that are available there at the moment, if they were all made available, I know it won't happen, but if they were all made available for affordable housing, it was 2,000 plots available. But that would increase the income in Ballymun mm -hmm. by 13 million euros per year. And we've put this out time and time and again, and I know it just bounces off people and they don't hear it. That's a huge amount of money for a place like, like, uh, like, like Ballymun. And that's the amount that would be available to be spent in Ballymun if we do act and if we do provide that integrated affordable housing. Well, I think, Hugh, that, that combination of housing and let, let's call it retail uh, has been really at the heart of the problem in Ballymun from the very beginning. Andrew, I don't know whether you want to come in and talk a little bit about uh, the days when the shopping centre was there and when, when the bank first started, suggested it would close and the reasons for, uh, uh, for that. Uh, um, yeah, I think uh, Hugh is onto something really important there. Um, I think that it's a, it's a chicken and egg situation here in Ballymun. We want to attract people to live in the area uh, and we, we also want to develop a shopping centre. And, you know, I don't think the shops are going to develop unless uh, the housing is there. But the way Hugh describes it, if we can get affordable housing in the area, that really is the key that will unlock the whole situation. Because if people have money in their pocket and they can spend in their local area, well, then investors can see that and say, well, this is the place to invest in. Well, well, and I here, think it, here's the question, though, Andrew. Um, does anybody believe that the scale of the shopping centre that was promised uh, Greenview, is that where we are? Or are we talking about something more at, the, at, at a village or town level? Well, I, there's a couple of things. Ballymun has been designated by the city council as one of the eight key districts in the uh, in the entire city. So it's up there with Rathmines, uh, Fibsborough, uh, Northside Shopping Centre, Finglas. Uh, it's one of the eight areas where they expect most shopping uh, and uh, community facilities to exist in the entire city. After the city centre, it's it's that's they're the main areas. And so we're a long way from that at the moment. But one of the, the key thing for me, I think, will be uh, the development of the, the metro. Because if the metro is developed, I think then that will open the way for people to, for housing to be developed. And once the housing is there, uh, especially if it's done properly, if it's done affordably, if it's not all people paying excessive rents, you know, uh, then we can look at, then it will make sense and make economic sense for people to invest in the area in terms of shopping. We're relying on people to invest and that won't happen unless they can see that they're going to get a return for their investments. And that comes back to what you is saying, what Robert's saying, what Stephen is saying in terms of having great public facilities. We need to, it, we need it all kind of come together like a jigsaw and then it'll work. Robert, before I'm, I'm going to come on to Declan in a second, but Robert, Come back to me about the scale and the size of what's expected in terms of retail in Ballymun. Um, I think many people feel that that promise of a shopping centre was probably the great broken promise uh, that was made during the regeneration to the area. And many people still feel that that, that 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 hasn't been delivered. What can we deliver in terms of retail? What's the, what's the scale or the size that the retail should be in Ballymun? Yeah, well, it's a really good question, Paul, and I'm actually trying to educate myself on it at the moment with with uh, some reading and, and and looking to what's going on around the world. But uh, retail's changed forever, you know, and and it, it probably will constantly change over the next couple of years in relation to you know Amazon and and huge big companies like that and deliveries and and, and all that kind of stuff. And COVID nineteen has had a huge effect on retailing and continue and will continue to do so for the rest of the year. So. I, th I think that we're kind of lucky from that respect that we've nothing big, no big white elephants built over the last couple of years. So we're really lucky from that point of view. I think we've an ideal opportunity to get smaller boxes built here in Ballymon and get the civic space right. Investments and, and, and property development is going to be about multifunctional going forward. There's going to have to be 
council, an element of council in it, an element of private development, retailing, small bit of manufacturing. So they're going to have to be multifunctional going forward. So it's really, really important that we look at that and see what happens. I appreciate what Andrew said about the metro, but guys, there's there's two villages either side of Ballymun forging ahead. Now with different vehicles for, for, for money investment, but they're forging ahead with construction and they're not looking for a metro. So I, 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 metro will be fantastic and I love it and I love the environmental aspect of metro, but let's not, it's all about now and it's all about what we do over the next couple of weeks. And back to Stephen's point as well, nothing should be rushed. But Stephen, we've learned a lot. We're 50 years learning here in Ballymun. And, and, and I think there's enough experience in, in our town and there's enough people around here to, to do a proper job on this now going forward. And yeah, you'll make mistakes, but we correct those mistakes very quickly and, 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 we, and we move things forward. Declan, maybe yeah, I'll just bring you just in. Stephen, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a chance to respond in a second, Stephen. I, I just, I'm anxious to, get, to, bring, to bring Declan in. Declan, uh, so there's a lot of talk in the last few minutes there about housing. Uh, and I suppose you would have experience of working in Ballymun, working with some of the really uh, embedded social issues in, in the community with a really brilliant community infrastructure that, 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 that's there. Uh, and now in, in your new role, you're dealing with government, with local authorities. How, how easy will it be for us to realise the housing potential on some of the 28 sites in the, in the LAP? So, so it's a challenge everywhere, you know, like, so I'm only four years in respond there around since 1982, so I won't take credit for what they've achieved over that time. I'm just a blow in, as they say. I remember being told in Ballymun after 10 years, 10 years, you're definitely a blow in. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so in respond, I certainly am. Um, I mean, our, my direct experience is up the road there. Um, so just up the main street opposite Ikea at Northwood, we've built 55 apartments there just beside the garage, just finished last year. We also have a homeless serv service up there opposite the metro in the Cosgraves building there, that red brick or yellow brick um, apartment development with some ho social homes there. So how that one came about really was, was a partnership with private developers. That's how it came about. So you've got people who are willing to go out and do the planning and all the rest of it, make a go of it. So it can happen. Um, other than that, it's a matter of doing what, what um, either the local authority itself does. So I know there's, there's uh, Brendan Kenny and his, his uh, people in the housing department, they had an expression of interest for 300 cost rental homes there on the main street, just beside the rediscovery centre, you know, last year. And I think that, that that was awarded to a couple of AHPs to do that. So that's that's there in the plans. I know that there's a number of other sites that he is interested in developing with AHPs. But what we do is slightly different to the private sector, but also what Hugh is doing. Like So we're doing social housing. So like Respond has built over nearly 7,000 homes around 26 counties. And the average rent would be 55 euros over the years. Now the, the, the stock has now changed quite a bit. So the older stock, a lot of it has, has had deep energy retrofits. We spent 20 million on upgrading those older homes because people are getting older and fuel poverty is a big issue. But the modern homes like uh, are amazing standard. Now, similar to what Hugh is doing, no different to that. So the building standards are very high. <clears throat> and it is great to see that people can live in those for their whole lifetime. And I think that, you know, the, the attitude that was there in the past about social housing, that stigma, like, seriously, like, I, I, I was born in Drimna, that's where I come from, and I live in Clondalka now. It's like, it, it's a fantastic privilege, I think, to have a social house. It's like winning the lottery, I, I think. And any time anybody who's involved in whether it's us or Hugh and what he does, the day that someone gets a key to that home is an amazing thing. So... So social housing is there. There's a lot of social housing there. And I know that there has been an aspiration from the beginning of the, the generation for what they call mixed tenure for more private housing. Now, Respond doesn't do that. We're not going to be able to help with that. That's, that's a private initiative by people, either through cooperative movement or, or, or private sector building homes and selling them on to other people. Um, what I would say is that that for, for anybody in the private sector, they're more interested on the main street. Like they're interested in those kind of locations or where there are facilities like shops, 
you know, doctors and all the rest of it. So it is a catch-22 thing. My own feeling, thinking back to, I think it was called, was it called Palm Springs, the original shopping centre that was planned, Treasury we're talking about way back. Um, I did in reflection think that that possibly was too big and that maybe, you know, something, you know, it didn't have to be that enormous scale in order to, to meet the needs. I suppose what I start to think is I'm not getting any younger myself and you're thinking of COVID and everybody is thinking about like, like stay safe, stay home. So you want to stay home, you want to shop, you know, uh, in Robert's shop, you want to walk around the corner, you don't want to be going long distances. And as you get older, like it is quite important to be able to, everything to be walkable and to get there. You know, even if you can afford a car and you have a car, you might be told by your doctor, you're not getting your license renewed and you get to a certain age. So it is quite important to have all of that. There are, I, I still think very fondly, I often drive up through Ballymun on my way home up to the M50, rather than going up the main road just to, to walk through, go through there. And I did chair the board of school of the, the Holy Spirit School for 10 years. And I remember those children. And the other side of it is like the, the regeneration provided housing for people who already had homes, but it didn't provide housing for, the, for their families, for their children. And I think there's probably a lot of those people who would like to live in Ballymun and are very attached to it and their families and their networks that they have there. So that's just a few thoughts. Declan, that's a very good point. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Hugh. I'm going to bring Stephen in because I promised him I would, but I think Declan actually touches on a real point. So we do want to build housing in Ballymun. Okay, that's that's going to be a challenge to the existing community because some of it's green spaces, although it might have been identified uh, previously, but people have an expectation uh, that green spaces might remain. And then the question is, what type of housing do we put out? And Declan's talked about council housing or affordable housing or or this new cost rental. Stephen, I'm going to ask all of you, because I think it's, it's sort of a, the crux of the issue now. What type of housing do we build? So Stephen, first to reply to what you were talking about, Robert, and then I'll come to each of you on the idea of what type of housing do we build and how do we get community buy-in for that as well? I tell you what, I'll leave the point that was coming back to on Robert for, for the time being. And if you want to go on to the, the whole housing issue, there might be one or two people who are maybe more, I'm more than happy to give my opinion as I suppose somebody who lives in Ballymun and who, when I walk outside my door every day, I'm faced with dealing with the decisions or indecisions uh, that result and impact on the community I live in and my family and my immediate neighbours. And I suppose it's very difficult to remain upbeat. And even in terms of the project I'm involved in, there are 10 of us uh, who have been working on this now for, I'd say, close on five years. And just, just to say, Paul, it's a 50-50 split, uh, agenda split on our committee. So it, it, is, is, it's, it is. It's very, it's very well representative of the community. But We've been working on this for a long time. And I have to say, at this stage now, we've met with, I think, somewhere in the region of 50 local groups, community groups, organisations, schools. And one thing that you do get is that there's a deep sense of disillusionment amongst an awful lot of people because of the promises that weren't delivered from the regeneration and the promises that the LAP was supposed to bring on to the next stage, which haven't been delivered. And there's been a constant cycle over the years of, consultation and engagement, which leads, at least in the, in the views of an awful lot of people I'm talking to, doesn't lead to any concrete results for the things that they need to address. There has been a huge change in Ballymun, huge physical change in the infrastructure, but some of the critical elements that needed to be addressed to change Ballymun were issues such as the housing tenure mix. And there's an awful lot of young people growing up in Ballymun who want to buy a house want to buy an affordable house and want to live near their families, but can't buy a house. I, I, was re I just had a quick look back at, at, at the master plan. And in the early days when the master plan was being put together, there was 68% of the people who responded to the survey said that they would buy a house in Ballymun if there was a quality house to buy. In 1985, the, 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 the house surrender grant or whatever it was called at the time, which, which emptied the community out. All of those things need to be reverse engineered in many ways. And we need to give young people in Ballymun who are in employment, who are doing well for themselves, who want to buy a house close to their family, they need an opportunity to buy a house, as well as catering for those who, who, don't, who, haven't, who aren't earning enough to get on the property ladder. But we need to remember that we don't, and I've had this conversation with people before, we don't need to attract people in to come in from outside Ballymun and buy loads of private housing. 
there are enough young people growing up, generations of people who've grown up in Ballymun and moved out of Ballymun, out into the suburbs in Meath and Kildare and elsewhere because they couldn't buy a house in Ballymun because all the houses in Ballymun were owned by the city council and you couldn't get a house to buy. And in where I am in Sandy Hill, there's two or three houses that have come up for sale recently and there's been competition amongst young people to buy those houses. There is a real interest in Ballymun amongst young people who are doing well for themselves, who want to live here close to their family. They need to be given an opportunity to buy a house. And if the council can't move quick enough to de develop the sites for affordable housing, they need a strategy that starts to make a percentage of the council houses that exist in Ballymun available to people in Ballymun who want to buy a house. And that's how you start to, re you, you, as I say, reverse engineer the damage that was done in 1985 to this community that we never really recovered from. So there needs to be a mix of housing. There needs to, but affordable housing has to be at the heart of it because that's what will drive the economy. And it isn't that, that people in social housing don't earn as much as people in affordable housing, but it does affect the attitude to investors and the attitude to people who might come in. And it, as Hugh made the point earlier on, it frees up disposable income that can be spent locally, that creates jobs locally, that supports businesses locally, and starts to transform not just the physical and economic environment, but the, the perception of Ballymun, which is the biggest handicap that we're still dealing with today, even after 20 odd years of regeneration. Um, I, I do want to talk to you about the city farm, Stephen, because that's, that, that's your project, and I will come back to that. Andrew, uh, and I don't want us to, to be too negative in the conversation either, Talk to us about some of the stuff that Stephen has talked about there and, and the things that I suppose the Social Regeneration Committee with the, with, with the Social Regeneration Fund has been trying to tackle over the years. On mute. Andrew, are you there? Thanks, Hugh. You're right, on mute. Okay, yeah, crime and antisocial behaviour is a particular problem in the area and uh, when you were Lord Mayor you commissioned me to do a report on that which will be published in the next couple of weeks and so we won't talk about too much about that tonight but just to say that that is a really important issue and we need a step change increase in the number of guards in the area we, there's a lot we need to do about that uh, but other things um, quality of the housing whatever is built it has to be of a very high quality and during your generation we saw some fantastic homes built but some that just haven't stood the test of time some with kind of timber facades that have gone rotten and you know other building materials that have yellowed and started off white uh, quality has got to be really important quality for what an attractive that it looks good but also uh, really nice homes to live in that are you know energy efficient and uh, good quality um, uh, air quality is, a, is going to be a huge thing with this virus at the moment you know that it has good quality ventilation is going to be a big thing so quality is really important we also, one of the really big gaps is that there's very few homes in Dublin, never mind Ballymun, for single people. And that's a huge problem. That's why so many single people are on the streets, because it's just council don't have homes for single people. Um, that's a real problem. And I think maybe that's where the town centre is going to be, maybe have more apartments. And hopefully, as we move back into the community, I think it'll be traditional housing will be the way to go. Um, also, uh, other people have talked about it, for, but for me as well, affordable housing is really key. You know, housing that people can, uh, so they can afford to pay for it, whether it's a council rent or uh, a house that they buy or affordable rent, the new affordable rent that the government is talking about. Uh, people need to have money in their pocket at the end of paying their, for their mortgage or their rent. And then the other thing for me uh, is, that, is that if we built some more housing for senior citizens, uh, there's some really good schemes in Ballymun that were built, the Tluid development there in Salogue, um, it's a really fine, fine uh, development there, great facilities, great services. Then we can free up some of the other houses that are in Ballymun, uh, some of the other social housing, and uh, I think that would be something that would work very well. So there, there's some of the things on housing. Uh, there's other things I can talk about as well, but I, I think yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take, leave it on to someone else. I'll take you in a second, but Andrew, I'll just ask you one question. Um, I suppose as a former councillor, you'd also know the number of people who are on the housing waiting list. And I suppose there is a real challenge in terms of filling the 2,000 units that are there and equally responding to the demand of the people who are on the housing waiting list in, in Ballymun, as well as those people who, who, who want to purchase. And I suppose we have to get that balance right a little bit too, don't we? Well, that is going to be a big challenge. That's where, you know, the politicians there, Keith and, uh, and Breege and yourself and uh, all the other politicians in the area are going to have to think about what is right for the area. I mean, we have 
about a quarter of the homes in Ballymun are owned by the people who live in them, uh, owner-occupied. That's about half of what you'd have. That's way below what other areas of the city would have. So we have to have more people owning their own homes to make it more like other parts of the city. Uh, Anne Keating always talks about Ballymun. What do we want? We want to make Ballymun into a place just like every other part of Dublin. And uh, that's one of the things that sets us apart. Very few people own their own home and we need to change that balance. But yes, there are people who, who will look who will be looking for social housing. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, providing senior citizens housing is one way of providing social housing for lots of people because, you know, as people move out, there's lots of people living in single people, single older people living in the family home. And if they had somewhere to downsize to, that would free up a family home for other people then. Hugh, on that issue of, of, I suppose, the mix between social and affordable, because on the site you're on initially, it had both. Yeah. So okay. So the so that that mix is really really important. And on the first site, um, there were twenty two what they were calling the first modular homes, and these were for people who had been in emergency accom accommodation. So you know it was it was for 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 homeless people. And and then we had our forty nine in there as well. And then in Cranog Islands or in Ilon Cranoiga just down the road. Um, they're all for owner occupiers now, but it is set right in the in the heart of the the area of um, uh, social housing. And then when we talk about building communities, you know, we're not talking about building new communities. We're talking about mer merging with existing communities, and that's really um, uh, really important. I just want to get back to what uh, Stephen um, was 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 saying there as well about um, having housing for local people. We have a waiting list or expressions of interest, if you like, from 2,000 people, 2,000 people. Like we could fill all of the sites that are available in Ballymun. And the vast majority of those are from that Dublin Northwest area. And the vast majority of that uh, is Ballymun. And these are the people that um, Beckham was talking about, the, the, the sons and daughters of the people who grew up in Ballymun, who have moved on with their lives, and but who would love to live in Ballymun. And like the demand is absolutely huge. We have proposals in for a number of different sites there. I could go through them uh, very quickly and we have the capacity to, to, to get going on it. And we will partner with the other um, housing associations like with, with Stecton for argument's sake on site, um, on site two. And there is a requirement for housing for older persons that Andrew is talking about. There's requirements for a nursing home and for uh, cost rental. And what we would like to do is to partner with the likes of Dexon to take the um, housing for older persons or indeed to take the affordable rental because they have the experience of owning and managing uh, um, a, a property and that and I think that fits well within um, the um, the sphere if you like of, of what of what of what of what of what Dexon, Dexon is doing we have a collaboration agreement for example with Tua so we have a scheme proposed for 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 uh, uh, park view just up the road. So in there, there would be 34 apartments for um, older persons, and then 49, and they're, they would, they're, they're social units, and then 49 affordable houses out the back, all the way down that long, that long stretch that was, that, 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 that was left vacant. The site beside us um, in uh, uh, Bollinger Lecra, really important, that has been rezoned. We are ready and willing and able to get stuck in there straight away if the, if, um, if that site is, 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 is made available to us. The 300 that Stecklin spoke about, that site hasn't been awarded just yet, but we're involved in that with both Tua and, and uh, Circle. So we would go in as the development partner and they would end up owning and, and, and operating them. So we actually have plans well, I tell you here, <laughs> if you were looking for a direct pitch, that was a really good one. If I was the BBC, if I was the BBC, I'd say other non-for-profit non developers are also available. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, um, Keith, uh, I, might, I might ask you to come in at this stage. Look, we've sat down and looked at the LAP and of the 28 sites, there's some that are industrial up around IKEA. And then the rest of them break down into sort of three categories. Do you want to talk to us about those sort of three groups? Yeah, so there's about an issue. First of all, the comment on the on the correct mix that was commented on with other people there. 
think there's a strong argument for, for as much affordable housing as possible. Uh, the average age of ownership now in Ireland is 85 years, oh, sorry, 35 years of age, which is incredible rise over the last decade. Um, and, you know, we know there's not a lot of social housing there and having the correct mix is very, very important for, for reasons outlined by others there. And going back to your site question, yeah, so we've done a lot of work on this, Paul and Bridge as well, and I'm sure others have. And there's about eight sites, say, that we, we think are ready for immediate development or shovel ready, as you would probably say, and, and Declan. Um, and those sites, some are to be combined together. Um, some are, are, are smaller sites, but they're basically shovel ready and ready to be developed. But then a collection of the next set of sites then that would require uh, works in conjunction with the councils. That could be road realignments, it could be drainage. Um, and the last collection of sites are those... That would, need, with, that would need the department to fund that, Keith, am I right in saying that? Yeah, and then the last collection of sites are those around the main street that have a retail element and a commercial element that, you know, would need a, a different vehicle, I suppose, or would require a number of bodies to come together to de develop those. So they're the ones that will probably take the longest in some ways. Um, so they're the three main categories that, that we've come across anyway to date. Yeah, I think that those that those sites on the main street with the commercial element in a funny way that they might actually, they're the most desirable sites, but they might be the most uh, difficult to put together a package because clearly Dublin City Council, the elected members are very strong on the view of public housing for public land, but the council isn't going to be building shops. So how do you put together a package that ensures there is affordable and cost rental and social on those sites that we don't give developers um, uh, excess profit uh, and equally at the same time we do deliver that, that sort of retail by people who, who, who know about retail rather than uh, a council or an AHB that, that, that do, isn't in the business of, of doing retail. Declan, that, that idea of combining for the commercial element, you said earlier you thought that that's where some of the uh, for-profit developers will be most interested. How do we make sure we get the affordable or the, the, the public housing in whatever guys out of those sites too? So my understanding now, then maybe, you know, others can talk about this, but my understanding that people are in for profit. <coughs> I've never been involved in selling houses or building them, but I presume what you're trying to do is sell them. So you're trying to figure out where I where I buy a plot where someone is going to want these things, and there'll be more people to want them than, and will pay for them than I have units to sell, and I suppose the nightmare must be if you were any one of us were foolish enough to start building houses for sale, <clears throat> would be, <clears throat> to find up a scenario that you built thirty, and you sold the first twenty, but you're stuck with the last ten and the profits in the last ten. And that's why so much, many people in the private sector want to deal with AHBs because we buy the whole lot. So, so that way we can squeeze the price down very hard could, <laughs> and do it on a fixed price basis because people know that the whole lot will be bought. So the, so the question is, what is it about Ballymun that there isn't a whole lot of small builders and developers who could be, by the way, have grown up in Ballymun and are building houses somewhere else? Why are they not building there? Why are they not find it attractive to do that there? What do you need to do? And the question arises then about, is it the lack of the heart of the of the town? Is it, you know, like, I remember years ago, and as young gone to Los Angeles, you can't find the middle of the place. <laughs> like, you're driving around all these big motorways, there's nothing, you know, and you kind of go, have I arrived yet? Because we're used to the city. Where have we arrived in the city? You talk about Rathmines or Fibsburg. So maybe the flat that that anchor is kind of missing. Now, I think the main street, I, I think Bellingham looks fantastic. It's my own view about it. It's looking really good. And there's so much development that's been added to it up that whole main street. But you'd have to actually go and try and attract people in. Now, obviously, O'Coolan are doing amazing work and they've got a hell of a lot more on by the sounds of it to me. They seem to be flying. So they're going to do quite a lot of it. But if you want to have private people come in, you know, you have to, like it has to, they have to be attracted. They're, they're, they're motivated by profit. That's all they're motivated by. Now, cost rental is a thing. Today, we had the announcement of the 390 cost rental and two included in ourselves have been awarded. It looks like about a third of them each, you know, could we each pitched, I don't know what they pitched for. I think we did 118 or something between Cork and Dublin. So cost rental is also another form of tenure. So basically people are renting privately and they've got, as long a term as they want. If they want to stay there for the rest of their life, they can stay there for the rest of their life. And it's, they're saying 25%, in our case, it'll be 30% less than the market rent. So that's another form of tenure 
um, that you can have. But obviously, DCC are well aware of that and they're working on that and Akulan are seem to be involved with Circle and Two on something like that. But other than that, like there is no other magic thing about the private guy who wants to build something. If you want him in, he's gone because he's going to make some money or he thinks he's going to sell them and sell them quickly. That's the only motivation, you know, that they have. And I think some of the sites that we have, the council themselves with the new affordable housing bill, the council will be able to go in and to build some of these themselves as well. Yes, the affordable one. And there is the site services fund, you know. So ourselves and two have built 155 apartments to be finished now in June up in Enniscary Road. And 50 of them are cost rental. It was the first pathways project, the first cost rental project in Ireland. So we had the site services fund there. You got the land from the state and you got the site services fund and accommodation too then assists you with also the fact that you had EIB money like over 40 years, low interest rate money to be able to, to afford to do that. So I think you will see. The other thing is like, has anybody thought about the, the LDA, the Land Development Agency? Like they're a big agency, a hell of a lot of money. Legislation I think was published last week. Now the problem is I suppose they're only at planning, master planning and planning stage. But that's their job. Their job is to pursue and support developments on public land, you know, and they have a mixture of, I think they'll do some private by the looks of it. They certainly do social and certainly do cost rental as well. So, you know, it might be sometimes like in order, how do you eat an elephant, like bite by bite? It might be a mixture. So everybody just does their little bit and together it adds up to the miscellaneous thing gives you what you want. I suppose we've sort of got knee deep in housing policy, but it's hard to discuss Ballymun without without doing that. But I think, Declan, the two bills you talked about, the LDA, the Land Development Agency and the Affordable Housing Agency are sort of two parallel processes that almost compete with each other. So if Keith and Breege and Nolan Riley and um, Mary Callahan and Caroline Conroy and, and all the local councillors want to develop the sites in Ballymun, they're going to put pressure on the councillors to make sure the council deliver those sites um, and hopefully the tools are there now for them to do that and e equally if that doesn't happen then the scope is for the LDA to do it but my preference would be exactly what Robert said the solutions are in the community I would like to see the council in partnership with with, with, with other bodies deliver the the, the sites in Ballymun. Stephen I just want to come to you if you take us back to the roundabout in the middle of a dual carriageway with um 16-storey blocks and uh, the Ballymun, I suppose, before regeneration. The idea of having a theatre, you know, two hotels, um, the, the, the leisure centre and also the sports centre up in Palpatry, a lot of those things, they didn't arrive by accident. They were willed or dreamt up by the community of things that they wanted to see in the, re, in the, in the regeneration. So what do we want to see, as well as housing and retail? Let's, let's be greedy, right? Because you can't just build housing and retail. There has to be more to a community. Talk to us about your project as an example of how we can uh, leverage some benefit in terms of community facilities out of all of this. Yeah, well, I suppose the idea of a city farm wouldn't necessarily come naturally to a lot of people uh, when they think about Ballymun. And in fact, city farms are probably, you know, they're a fairly new um, initiative in terms of Ireland, a new concept. Um, I, the, the approach we've taken as a local community group is we, we, we were disillusioned, I have to say, with, with, with some of the elements of the regeneration, was recognising that a huge amount was done. It was a huge, huge project, but a lot of stuff was, was not completed. And so we were disillusioned with where things were going, and we, we decided to look at how we could do something in our community. And we looked we started to look at the strengths in the community and I've made this point, I think that some of the councillors have probably heard this before, I know you have Paul, but our approach was simply to look at the strengths in the community, the city council's own uh, ideas about what would be beneficial to a community and to try to marry those two ideas based on international experience that we were familiar with. And we looked at the strengths in the area and, and, and oftentimes people forget these, but, but some of them are pointed out in the retail study and some of them were touched on already, but we're just off the M50, we're on the proposed Metro North Line multiple bus routes connecting Ballymun to other parts of the city. We have the Rediscovery Centre in the heart of Ballymun, the Access Theatre, two hotels. We're near the airport. We're the Stones Trove in the city centre. We have the Botanic Gardens down the road. We have DCU on our doorstep. We and on top of all of that, when you look at the LAP, there's somewhere in the region of 130 acres of land was freed up within the immediate LAP area and what they call the M50 lands to the north, all under the ownership of Dublin City Council. 
So we looked at what we could do, and given our backgrounds, some of us have backgrounds in horticulture, others in environmental activity and uh, community, uh, community sort of development. We looked at what we might do, um, and we decided to use the local area plan uh, as the vehicle to do it. And our concept, we looked at the previous Dublin City Development Plan, where the City Council had as one of its objectives to establish a city farm within Dublin. Now, the City Council's own view of green infrastructure is that it creates better places, more attractive places to live and work. It contributes to education. It contributes to mental and physical health. It contributes to uh, community cohesion, all of these things. And international evidence and research that we've looked at proves that. And in fact, some of the city farms we visited in the UK are perfect examples of how important those, those facilities have come to disadvantaged communities over the last 30 or 40 years where they are. So we took our concept and we matched it with the city council's own stated uh, views as to what can be done. The local area plan identifies two key economic uh, drivers of, of economic regeneration of value one is the arts sector and the environmental sector. So we tried to marry all those things together. So the, the prospect, the, the, the proposal for a city farm is that it's an educational and recreational resource in the heart of Ballymun for the entire community of Ballymun, but, but for the broader community as well. And it focuses on things that like, you know, everything from food production to engagement with animals to educational training opportunities on the broadest spectrum. And the idea will be that it will consist of a community garden, rare breed farm animals, coffee shop, and other elements that would be in there that would promote training and employment opportunities. Um, and what we've done, I suppose, we, we put the proposal into, under the LAP. It was adopted. So it was adopted at, in October 2017 by the elected uh, councils of Dublin City Council. We then engaged with um, Innovate Dublin and the blueprint, the City Council commissioned the blueprint. And that blueprint looked at best international practice and similar communities to Ballymun and, and identified the benefits that would come from a project like that. That blueprint was submitted to the City Council in April 2019. We thought that would be the stimulus for engagement and to move it on. In the main, what we have done over the, over the period, as I've said, is we've went with somewhere in, in excess of 50 different local groups and organizations, all of the schools, the various family resource centers, we've engaged with the me local mental health teams, everybody that we think could benefit from the project. We've, we've gone out and had public consultation meetings. We've, we've, we've approached various experts who've come on an, an expert advisory panel, and they include people such as the former Secretary General of the Department of Justice, there are DC, uh, experts in the DCU Business School who are, who are advising us. There are people uh, who have a background in setting up, running and managing visitor farms for many years. There's a horticulturalists. There, there are various experts who have all come on board who are prepared to give their time and expertise free of charge to, make, to get this project off the, off the ground. At this stage, we're on the verge. We have our constitution prepared and we're ready to, uh, to in incorporate as a company. And in fact, um, Arthur Cox approached us and offered to work with us pro bono to help us establish. So we're on the, on the cusp of doing that. Over the last period of time, due to the, the, the COVID, we've engaged with each other over Zoom. We have all our governance documents, everything from child protection uh, statements to uh, our uh, volunteer codes and volunteer membership forms and members forms. We put all, the, all of that together. So as a community organization, we put in a vast amount of work. What's striking, I suppose, is that um, much of the work of moving on the proposal that was in the local area plan, and indeed the site 14 was identified with the, as the development of the local area plan in the chief executive's reports in which, um, in response to a local council's motion that site 14 should be the site for the city farm, city council said that they supported that, that proposal. Um, but what's happened, I suppose, since 2019 is that a huge amount of the responsibility for moving these elements on, even though it's in the local area plan and a blueprint was prepared and commissioned by Dublin City Council, has fallen to a committee of local residents to do in their spare time without any support or financing or advice whatsoever from Dublin City Council, even though it's in the local area plan. But we've risen to that challenge and we have pushed this project on and we have done everything that could be asked of us, um, including we more or less have a business plan completed, but we're waiting on some indication from the City Council as to exactly how much land will be given because we want to set up as a social enterprise that will become a catalyst for further development. And just to give you some idea of the economic potential benefits of the farm, we talked about Ballymun as a destination. Our view is that a city farm, so we take Hackney. Hackney was an area uh, similar to ourselves. It, I think it's, 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 it's being developed uh, a bit more and regenerated in recent years. But in the UK, they have a thing called um, the index of deprivation 
which lists all of the local authority areas in England from one to 326, with one being the most deprived of 326 being the most affluent. And Hackney, I think, was at number two at one stage. It's now at number 10. So it wouldn't be a million miles away in terms of a profile from a community like Ballymun. Hackney City Farm attracts in excess of 100,000 visitors a year. Now, Fallja Ireland estimate that the average spend per day tripper is around 40 euro per head. And if they stay over, it rises to 80 euro. With two hotels in Ballymun, that's a distinct possibility. We have IKEA on our doorstep with 3 million people who come to IKEA every year, come off the M50, do the shop and go back onto the M50. There's nothing to bring them in. With just 550,000 people go to the Botanic Gardens every year. That's the visitor numbers there. So we believe that a city farm in conjunction with the likes of the Rediscovery Centre and the Access Theatre has a perfect potential to, to create an attraction in Ballymun that can bring people in. Added to a redeveloped shopping centre, it has the potential to bring footfall in, create an attraction that brings people into Ballymun, generate training and employment opportunities, as well as being an educational and recreational resource for the broader community. And Stephen, if I tap into a little bit what you're saying, because I think every LAP is really about development often, about development of sites, and sometimes some of the social uh, or the community resources are sort of the last things in in the LAP process and I don't think your experience will be any different than uh, the experience that Ballymun Kickhams might talk about about their site being identified but yet not seeing progress equally the culture center out of Skull and Shock Dalek, um, Satanta the idea that as well as the development there has to be these these community facilities I'm going to ask Andrew one last question and I'll come back to each of you with a bit of a, a rapid fire round Andrew, you saw the FISBRA LAP, you have a master's in planning. How can we make sure that the LAP also does those other social uh, projects that are almost have issues around their own capacity and funding as much as it does around land use? You're on mute, I think, Andrew. You were never, you were never that quiet on the council, Andrew. <laughs> One thing that we didn't touch on that's a kind of a community thing is the issue of parks. Um, there was a lot of really high quality parks built and developed during the regeneration, but some of them haven't worked as well as we'd hope. Uh, some of them have become uh, problems. Uh, a lot of them have problems with antisocial behaviour. Like, for example, a country park near me is a beautiful park, absolutely gorgeous. But there's drug dealing uh, day and night. Um, Balcurris Park is probably worse again. Uh, it never really kind of worked well as a park and it, it really needs another look at. There's there's opportunities with the LAP to look at some of the parks again. Um, and in particular, I think probably Balcourt is one of the worst performing parks. And one of the suggestions is, as you mentioned, um, Ballymun Kickhams, is that the Ballymun Kickhams would develop land uh, close to Balcourt Park and also kind of use Balcourt Park. And if it was being used a lot more, I think that might deal with some of the antisocial behaviours there. So there is an opportunity there. And also uh, another part of dealing with antisocial behaviour is some of our problematic sites, if we actually got on and built them in a hurry, we might deal with some of the problem areas we have. So um, St. Joseph's Hill yeah, uh, is often recalled something else and uh, there's a lot of drug dealing on it. It's been designated for housing for 15 or 20 years. We need to get on and build the housing on that site and that would address some of the antisocial behaviour there. And there's other areas that we could look at maybe redesigning to deal with some of the antisocial behaviour. So, so there are some things in the LAP that I think we could look at to, to help us. Okay, I, I think, I hope I've touched a little bit on everybody. Myself and Keith and Bridge sort of broke down some of the queries we get into the office into three or four of them. So I might just throw them out there and then see uh, what people say. Keith, I, I don't know whether yourself or, who, whether yourself or Bridge has them. Um, yeah, I, I, I have a few of them that I just got from, from emails that you received. So in fairness, we touched on a good few of them, in fairness now. Um, so one is the issue of the shopping centre and I suppose the, the one big failure there, but it's been demolished now and there's, uh, you know, a bit of a delay and anything happening there. So what level of expectation there isn't? It? Obviously you have Charlestown there, boy, that's not exactly booming. And then you have Gulliver's Retail Park quite close as well. So I think you've touched on it though. I don't know, do you want to go any further detail on that? I, I think, Ro I think Robert, Robert, yeah. I think Robert yeah. answered that. Robert, I, I think the idea of the scale and size, I think we probably covered it. Yeah, I, I, I think we, we have to be realistic with the, the scale and, and the offer that 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 can that that can you know you know is feasible for, for, for that size. And I, and I think the LAP would call out for 450 units and 
and I think it's 30,000 square meters of retailing. It's a cracking site. And I, I, I think if it's pedestrianized and the right mix of small, smaller box retailing and the accommodation is put into, in place and, and maybe some office as well, it's still a cracking site. It could, make, it could be a great place, Robert, couldn't it? You know, yeah, it could be a real center of the community. And if we could just go back, I loved what Stephen reminded of the reverse engineering side of things. And a lot of people have touched on different areas as well. One of my, one of, one of the bones of my contention would be with Ballymore that we never had enough business people in the community, whereby the, the, the wealth, and I'm, I'm not talking about money here, I'm talking about much more than money when I speak about wealth, where that was retained in Ballymore. That, you know, that we had a normal main street that, you know, Murphy's owned it, that the Joneses owned it, that, and they lived in the community. We never had enough of that. We'd, we John Liskinson built the shopping centre and all the outsiders came in to, to, to retail or whatever. So the game has changed all again. So I do think smaller box retailing, startup businesses, touching on that environmental um economy and the arts as well i think we're in a great position to 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 take advantage of all what's going what's going to be really really niche and going forward and i think some sort of a community enterprise space or community retail space it would be ideal for ballymon because i can't afford to pay what an investor is looking for in the main street today which is 40 euro square foot Okay, I can probably that's, only pay that's, all, that, that's obviously a big barrier then of who you, who comes into the area. Could I just make a quick point? And it just goes back to what could be in the in the in, in the town centre, and it goes back to the the original master plan where there was talk of a state agency or a government department or something like that, almost being an anchor tenant in the town centre in terms of offices. Um, and I think that there is potential to look at that in terms of being more competitive in terms of what you offer a possible department or agency in terms of, and that that would in itself bring something more solid in the longer term into the area. I know city council had the motor tax office, which, which, which left eventually, but when that was in Ballymun, it brought a lot of footfall in. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe there needs to be buy-in at state level in terms of making that kind of long-term commitment to putting people in office blocks in a town centre development that guarantees that there is footfall for the local shops at least Monday to Friday um, and starts to transform uh, the image of Ballymun and bring people in for other reasons. And I think that's something that should be examined maybe by, by, by yourself, Paul. Yeah, Keith. And others. Yeah. And the next, so the next one was around housing. Um, Ballymun, like a lot of areas throughout Ireland, have their own issues, which we touched on with, with you know, social deprivation issue with drugs, crime, and such behaviour. And why are we building more houses? Um, when we can't deal with the issues we have in Ballymore at the moment? That was one of the questions. I, I think, guys, outside of this discussion, if there's a lot of people from Ballymore watching on, that's got to be a big question, isn't it? Declan. Yeah. So I was kind of just thinking about this. I was listening to Andrew, and I was thinking about this. And, like, so as I said, I grew up in Drimna, live in Clendarkham for the last 30 five years you know so i'm not living in some pie in the sky other world and in no matter where you are look at that report about the north inner city like only a week ago or two weeks ago where it said that people are afraid to talk people are afraid to to live the local people just normal people in there the place is overrun and it really just dawned on me there i was listening to andrew and that is this is the problem like so why isn't there people building private housing and want to do it because if it's a case that it's that it's that this is a plague, a cancer on people who now it's a small number of people. I mean, I remember clearly in the Holy Spirit School, the kids, I think we had something like 330 boys in there. Like there were 17 kids in trouble. The rest were absolutely fine. They're perfect in every way. The others were under huge pressure, all sorts of things going on in their lives. But a small number of people are absolutely destroying it for everyone. It's not unique to Ballymun. It's the same in the north inner city. I see it where I'm living. I see it, whatever. But if we don't deal with that issue, I'm telling you, this is the cancer. This is the thing that's that's ruined it for people who already live there. And it's going to affect whether or not new development happens. It, it impacts the community's confidence to 
to accept new housing as well, doesn't it? Andrew, uh, Bridge, I might might ask you to come in in a second as well on, on that idea of new communities and housing. Andrew? Yeah, just in terms of why should we have more housing, generally the best places to live in Dublin and around the world have more people living in them than Ballymun has. Uh, because you need a critical mass of people to support shops, to support facilities, to support even things like playgrounds or whatever it is, and the schools. So if you want good schools, if you want good shops, if you want good communities, you have to have a critical mass of people. And we don't have that in Ballymun. And places like Fibsborough or Rathmines that I talked about earlier, they do have that critical mass. And that's why people want to live in those areas because they have great facilities. We can have that too. Yeah, we have to get their trust as well. Bridge, I suppose you've seen a lot of... Uh development in the area outside of Ballymun even and it can be difficult to persuade people that uh, new homes being built is a positive thing for their community particularly when they've had so many broken promises in the past. Yeah and I suppose that's where the um, I suppose more varied options comes into it. Um, it's, kind of, it's hard to build up capacity in a community when if there's a lack of affordable housing or private housing anybody I suppose who goes through education or goes on and gets qualifications marries they can't return to where they grew up and and that really sort of that, that really stunts the development of a community so i suppose trying to sell it to people that they they have little to fear from affordable housing in their area it is tough but if, i suppose if you can sell it to them that it's it, it's for their children and it's it's where their children will be wanting to buy in 10 to 15 years time it's it, it could bring them around and i suppose andrew there's a that's a good point there about uh, critical mass it, it's hard to improve your existing facilities unless you get more usage, unless your, your schools have less empty places. Um, so I, I suppose as well as like Ballymun is so much empty land as well. And until there's more passive supervision of that, um, it's going to be harder to make it a, a more secure and safe environment where people feel safe to be out and, you know, to, to use the amenities that they have. I think we had one last question as well, didn't we? Yeah, you mix them in together. So it's, I suppose, that, that we mentioned touch on sport. And obviously, a number of very strong sports clubs at Hante. But obviously, Soy 31 is is zone for, for sports element to have. And Kickhams are, are touted for that. So how important that will be, along with the houses that amenities come on with it as well. That was one of the questions that was asked. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to answer that one because... Uh, I think to me, I was, wasn't a hugely sporty kid growing up, right? But to me, when I look at sports clubs in an area, they provide a level of structure and capacity and organisation that uh, I, I think is hard to replicate. Of course, there's kids out there that aren't interested in sport. And we've got places like the Access Centre and Briar is absolutely top class work going on in Briar and in the Poppinger Youth Centre. Um, but I do think sports clubs often bring a capacity um, and they also bring all of the positive stuff that we get from watching matches and being together as a community. And uh, whether you're Kickhams or Satanta or Ballymun United, I, I think developing those sporting facilities is part of that bigger contract uh, for the area. So it, it, it also is a big uh, incentive for people who want to buy a house in the area if they know that there's good sports clubs in the area I think it's really important that, they, that they're available so while we have the enthusiasm on the ground and the capacity of committees to run these places we should try and give facilities to them that complements the, the overall overall plan could, could I just make a point please Paul? I won't keep you too much yeah. there's a couple of things were raised there and there's one thing I'll deal with immediately and that's the concept of passive supervision that doesn't work because what you're expecting is local residents to come out and police teenagers. Passive, that, that concept throws the responsibility back onto local residents to confront antisocial behaviour outside of the houses. And that's too much to expect of local residents to do. And I think that that concept needs to be knocked on the head until we get to a stage where the fundamental problems that exist in our community have been addressed when we get to that stage, you can talk about passive supervision of, of public areas, but it's too much to put that responsibility on a community that feels they've been abandoned for years to expect them to come out and take that issue on. That's, that's unfair. And I know what you're saying, Breeze, it is, it is a good concept, but we're not at that stage, I don't think, where that can be expected of this community at the moment. No, but uh, Stephen, I probably should have said, I'm, I'm thinking more so 20 to 30 years down the line. Absolutely, yeah, there, yeah. But it has it's, been it's, the, the sort of bedding in of... Um, 
of the housing that we'd be expecting to see. And I would agree with you. I would yeah, agree with you on that. But it's mentioned in the local area plan as, as, as if that's going mm. to resolve the issue. It isn't. But just in terms of the likes of Kickens and our own project and the, the development of sites, what we had hoped to build the local area plan, if these things are done piecemeal, it won't work. If sites are developed piecemeal and then maybe 10 years from now Kickhams gets a site and maybe 15 years from now the metro's built, none of it will gel. The, the, the purpose of the LAP should have been to dovetail all of these things together so that you had development of affordable and social housing, you had development of social infrastructure, you had development of transport infrastructure, and it all came together so that it all took off together. But if we start to do it in piecemeal fashion, my fear is it won't happen. Sites will be sold, the shopping centre will, won't develop initially. So the LAP, we're coming to the end of the LAP now. There isn't a huge amount to show for it, in fairness. That I don't think, I mean, in a way that's the challenge of this call of of this plan now is to, that we grab the lap by the scruff of the neck across everyone that has a role in it and that we persuade people outside of anyone decision makers the minister whoever we need to that it's worth completing this plan uh in in that in in that strategic way guys I, i'm very conscious i've had you all on the call for for a long time uh, and uh, i really appreciate it i hope it hasn't started snowing outside apparently we're we're, we're, we're due snow uh, thanks, so much. thanks so much for being with, with, with us tonight i will say one last thing andrew is uh, with the drugs task force on dublin city council is completing what i'm calling the montague report uh, which is really about the serious uh, uh issues of crime and drug dealing we have in our community I think there's a big calling card there to government outside of what happens with the LAP that we need to crack that nut as well because if that's not cracked, there won't be confidence in any of the other things we talk about. And I think that's going to be a big challenge for agencies to respond uh, to that issue. But as Andrew says, uh, we're a long way off uh, getting that out into the public domain, other public reps getting approval and all of that. And so I look forward to that, Andrew. And I'm sure everybody in the call uh, wishes you the best of luck in finishing that report, but equally in playing a part in, in putting pressure on decision makers to support its recommendations as well. That's great, guys. Thanks a million. Thank you all. Thanks. 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 And thanks to all of you for tuning in uh, for what was another episode of our podcast. If you have ideas about topics you want us to cover, drop me an email and we'll see you all again soon.